0: and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a lovely, lovely returning guest. My dear, introduce yourself to everyone who hasn't met you yet.
1: (laughs) I'm Jahan Sator, and I am a mindfulness teacher, truth teller, subconscious self-sabotage coach, and host of the Boundless Authenticity Podcast.
0: It's such a pleasure having you back with me because... Uh, you and I are kind of on the same vibe tribe. So
1: <laughs> we always
0: have good conversations. So I wanted to um, get a little bit more in depth than what we did on the first episode that we did together on my show. Um, today I called this emotional penance. And the reason for that is because I think there are a lot of people when they start um, realizing that there is a problem. Um, within themselves and, and you know, their behavior patterns, their thought patterns, things like that. They kind of go through a period where they try to make atonement or basically penance for their own uh, emotions. It's kind of like letting the old, old self die so a new self can be born. So I want to talk to you about um, self sabotage. What what are the most common things that you find when people come to you for help?
1: Oh, boy, the most common things that I find, people always have one of two programs. It's "I'm not enough somehow," or it's "I'm not safe somehow." Mm-hmm. And usually it's um, it's a case of getting them to speak openly and freely about what's going on and they will tell you they will tell you all the reasons why they can't do something because they're not enough somehow or you know they they can't get along with this person or they can't do this thing and then also we have the three r's which would be regret resentment Mm -hmm. and can you guess what the other one is
0: Hmm. i don't know rejection Oh, yeah, yes. that's a common thing. And you know it's funny that you that you started off the way that you did because there's so many people now, I think that look for um, reinforcement for from other people to to think that they are enough or that they're something. you know it's like they always needing that approval from somebody else to to be who you are. So, how many how many people would you say that you see on a on a regular basis that have all of these commonalities?
1: <laughs> Every single one. I was
0: going to say probably almost everybody, Every which fits one. which fits ninety nine percent of the population, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So, when somebody comes to you um, to get help. How do you go about breaking down those uh, barriers or walls that they have built up as far as their emotions go?
1: You know, basically, Janet, I have spent about nine years doing this work and my formative years, it was all about doing a traditional life coaching thing, which didn't work. Like those methods don't work. You can't ask somebody what's the challenge for you and get a clear answer.
0: Right, so because everybody's needed, everybody's very different in that aspect. Yeah, and so I learned
1: that because everybody's so different, and needed so many different uh, helping modalities. I needed to get that in my brain, and I needed to practice those things. So what I actually did was I went and studied psychology, hypnotherapy, um, mindfulness, became a mental health practitioner, mm-hmm. and I also did neurolinguistic programming, and um I did meditation I did I even did the three hundred hours of yoga thing and I pretty much threw away everything that was trash and I mm-hmm. came up with my own methods of figuring things out. Right. And then it wasn't until maybe five years into that that I discovered kinesiology. So you know what that is? Muscle testing?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Now they the, do a lot of that in in chiropractic and in nursing.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so the, the wonderful thing about kinesiology is that the the subconscious mind is in the body, mm-hmm. and it, the body can't lie. Right. If something is bad for you, the body will lean away from it. Mm-hmm. And if something's good for you, it will lean towards it. Now right. In, in that same way, and I'm just giving. I'm going to give a little bit of insight for people at home that want to try this all you have to do is loop your fingers like this and see i'm pulling and i'm not holding my fingers together tightly or anything like that i'm pulling it okay. but if i say my name is janet it breaks because that's not the truth right if i say i am a man no matter how hard i pull that even though i'm holding it loosely i am a man it's a firm response. Mm-hmm. Right. If I say my right. name is Chahan, one hundred percent, I cannot break that loop because that's a hard and fast truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting in light of the things that we're seeing now, right? So right. Uh, if I said my name's Carlos, no, hard no. No matter what I do, I can't, I can't force it. Should? And so the body never lies about anything. So with that muscle testing, I've learned to combine digging processes so it's the right questioning frameworks to get people to open up
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and admit to their problems and what i figured out is that a major belief usually has it's usually like a table with four legs and all you got to do is get in there and figure out what are the three other things to get to the main topic Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so that's usually what i do
0: You know, and it's interesting that you brought up the um, muscle testing and stuff, because we've talked about that on the show as far as uh, supplementation goes. And, you know, like um, for dosaging for, um, you know, like uh, calcium or, or things like that. And your body will tell you it will move forward if you need it. And it will move backward if you don't. And even if, you know, the supplement that you has um, says like twice, you know, two pills or whatever, a, a lot of times patients will only need one. So it's interesting that you brought that into into the topic in your practice as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, for a few years there, it was difficult to get people to open up because the only way of mm-hmm. telling I had was be like the, the neuro-linguistic facial cues. Right. Or they would say something to me like, I feel this, I hear this and I would know Oh, this person is a mainly auditory or kinesthetic based thinker, right, and I'd have to chase the, the dragon around the room, right in order to catch them or they would start shifting in their chairs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's how I would know I got you and it would take very long. So once I got into the kinesiology thing, then that whole thing changed. And it made it so that I could help people much. Faster, I could give them something they could practice, right? And they won't always have to come back to me. They can just tell me, "I'm calibrating this belief,"
0: mm-hmm. uh, and, and
1: then I'll come and I'll um, give them some kind of hypnotic uh, suggestion, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's <clears throat> a, such an interesting thing that you do, and it's a wonderful thing because it's so well-rounded, and you're so learned in so many different subjects that you put together Um, because a lot of times talk therapy doesn't do anything for people. It doesn't work. Um, People don't open up because number one, they don't trust their therapist. And number two, they don't want to share intimate parts of themselves with, with other people, although they're expecting you to fix them and help them and heal them, but they can't be honest about things.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh the way I like to do things is I'm very I'm very stern, I should say, with certain things. I don't let bullshit slide. Because mm-hmm. if you're coming right. to me and you say you have a problem, I'm mm-hmm. gonna take that seriously. Right. A hundred percent of the time when somebody says I have a problem, it's because they have a problem, but what they think is the problem isn't usually the problem. It's usually several other things. Right. And
0: that are deeper.
1: Absolutely, and so it's mm-hmm. important to open people up to discussion that's not based around how does that make you feel, and none of that coddling stuff. Right. I don't do that. It's, right. It's right to the the meat of the matter. What, what? happened? What purpose are you hanging on to this? What mm-hmm. does it serve you for? And mm-hmm. we go we go from there because people have, you know, like I said in your last in our last show, ninety five percent of our lives is being dictated by the subconscious mind. We will think the same thoughts on repeat every single day, for Mm -hmm. anything up to a lifetime, if nobody intervenes, or we don't ask ourselves different questions, and then people try to make changes, and then they experience what um, hypnotherapy calls the law of reversed effect, which is where the harder you consciously try to do something, the more difficult it actually is to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And you cannot consciously will subconscious things. Well,
0: and I I think it's important what you said that you don't coddle people. Um, And you and I are the same in that aspect because uh, the codification of people gives way for them to use emotional, I like to call them crutches, um, or, or, you know, uh, labels, baggage, whatever you want to call it. It allows them to say, well, uh, I have all these problems because I'm depressed or because I'm, you know, um, an anxious person or whatever. Instead of getting to the root of what what is it that makes you that way? Was it a series of events that caused, you know these kind of traumas to be buried underneath the surface. Cause a lot of people, it, they're like onions, right? And they only want to tell you what their, what their surface layers are and their surface problems. When there are things that are underlying that are so much deeper and so much stronger that they should be addressing.
1: Yeah. And people love that. The majority of people love to have a label. Mm-hmm. Look at what the right. first thing they do when you're in general conversation. Right. What do you do for a living? Right. I am this. I am a doctor. Right. I am a lawyer. I am that. Mm-hmm. But you, you are not that. Right. And I love to say that if you can give someone a label and you can distract them from the reality that they're a fragment of consciousness, mm-hmm. having an experience in a vessel that's hardwired, designed for the expression of consciousness, mm-hmm. You can take them down any rabbit hole, any path you want them to. And that's essentially what the human farmers are doing to us. They're distracting us from all these things. And mm-hmm. um, I love to talk about the book by Dr. Tana DeMeen. It's a very banned book, Manufacturing Victims, right, where she exposes... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the the real truth about the psychology industry is just designed to mess people up. It's not about providing mm-hmm. solutions. And Correct. so, when you change mental health to emotion emotional health, mm-hmm. that's a completely different conversation that you're having.
0: Absolutely. All together. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, I think it's it's important for people not. To put themselves in a box or, you know, put themselves, slap themselves with a label because that means you're never going to get past your problems. That means you're never going to get better because the only thing you can see is I am a depressed person. I am an anxious person. I am, you know, bipolar or or whatever you know, industry label that they have put on you that allows you that ability to always run back to that uh, for cover, basically undercover for your behavior. And you're never fully addressing your behavior because of that.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, again, the human farmers, they know all about social control, right? They understand how all of this works. And so they know how to change and implant programs and suggestions in you Mm -hmm. that tamper with your thoughts your behaviors right or your emotions and you can make a change to any one of those areas and it will change the other two things Mm -hmm. correct thoughts your behaviors and your belief all follow in a chain Mm -hmm. so they know everything about behavior modification they right. know everything about emotional manipulation mm-hmm. and they know everything about controlling the thoughts that you think perception management right and so everybody else is living somebody else's perceptions of how the world should be and how they should be in the world as an individual and so people come to me and they're like that was really in there and I say yes because you mm-hmm. know you pick up all of these coping mechanisms from childhood zero to seven you're picking up everything very rapidly because it's a survival thing seven to 14 you're at school trying to implement what you learned from zero Mm -hmm. to seven and then what you haven't discarded from 14 to 21 you're still working on and most people carry that right up through till the end of their life right acting like infants right and so it's easy for people to when as soon as they experience just an experience to not see it that way and say oh i feel this way i'm sad mm-hmm. i'm now i'm depressed right um, but i'm gonna be very matter of fact here sadness and depression is just like the adult version of soaking
0: right that is and you,
1: true and you can only get past that when you pass through a barrier of responsibility mm-hmm. a problem cannot be solved until it has an owner,
0: right. And that's why that's why I call this emotional penance because when you when you realize that you are basically carrying around um, suitcases with you that are f- packed full of you know emotions all the way stemming through you know your childhood into your adult life. And it's always negative emotions, right? That people carry in these in these bags. Um, and it's always fear, anger, rejection. It's all the negative emotions because negative emotions control uh, basically the functioning in your body as far as uh, your your fight or flight stuff, right? And when things get difficult. Those emotional baggages, you know, pop up and they're like, okay, oh, you should run away from this. Things are hard, so you should run away. And you should label yourself again because, you know, it's easier for people to run than it is for them to face things. And to take those garbage emotions out of the bags and, and let them go.
1: Yep. And, you know, those three R's are really big ones.
0: hmm uh, Right.
1: They don't... Let's see, how do I want to say this? Rejection, especially, is a big one. Right somewhere along the line, they got rejected by somebody, and rejection mm-hmm. influences you for your entire life when you don't
0: deal right. with it. Right,
1: and because they were rejected by someone, they learn to reject themselves, mm-hmm. they reject the dark night of the soul, right, and they never get better because they never sit with the tough moments and they just sulk about it right. or they develop. Uh, some kind of somatic thing, like anxiety or whatever mm-hmm. it is, which I don't even like to use that word because to me it's trash. Right. Um, you know.
0: So it's a state of being. It doesn't yeah. mean that that's a exactly. real thing.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's not a real thing. Anxiety and depression have never really been proven to exist right. anywhere except for within the human experience and, and right. in terms of how people choose
0: to right. react and
1: often prolong their reactions to things. And right. React if you look at that word to act in a way that you have before. So yep.
0: I was let me ask you real quick, um, speaking on the top of anxiety or depression, um, people that you see that that tell you that that's that's what their issue is, that's what their problem is. Um, I am going to guess and say, do they have a lot of very deep emotional trauma from early childhood?
1: Some of them do, but the smaller percentage, actually. Mm -hmm. The larger percentage, it's this thing happened to me, and now I feel rejected by this person. I resent Mm -hmm. this person. I regret this person. Right. And a lot of it happens in their teenage years and even their adult life. Right. And they try to pass it off as like, PTSD or mm-hmm. some other thing, but it's usually a story that they themselves made up, right? Because the mind is a meaning-making mechanism
0: in that way, and it
1: assigns meanings to things right all day long, and, and pe- we are in control of that,
0: right? And people, I think, a lot of times too, immediately jump to um, conclusions, like when something is not going their way. Uh, with a significant other, friend, or whatever, people automatically, for whatever reason, let their brain go, they're out cheating. They're out doing something they shouldn't be doing. They didn't call me uh, or text me, but they were on social media, because I must not be important. So we are instilling these falsehoods in our system When that's not even the case. And so we build up our own walls of, you know, rejection or, or, you know, neglect or things like that, because it's something that our mind is telling us is true that it's not.
1: Right. And most people need to give themselves a bit more grace because the brain is hardwired for negativity. It's so that we stay protected. Right. But we have cognitive uh, distortions, just mental filters that we pass information through. And a lot of that is all or nothing thinking, black and white thinking, catastrophizing, and all that stuff, which is what we always do. Mm -hmm. Even the most healed and mature person still does those things because of the default setting of the brain. And they they found, I think they found over 400 of them. One of them is, there must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And so that's how um, people tend to. Do it to themselves, like you said. We choose, right? Instead of listening to the thought, asking a question about it, and saying, "Okay, well, I wonder for for what's the real reason that I feel as though this person's ignoring me Mm -hmm. at this time?" Right. People won't ask those questions.
0: And and the funny thing is that we don't know until we ask, or we we automatically assume, and we go to that dark space, right? that somebody must be uh having negative feelings about us like they don't love us as much as they should or they don't love us at all or you know whatever the case may be instead of communicating which is so important you know with friends or family or partners or whatever the case may be you just assume that you're other person knows exactly what you're thinking
1: absolutely and communication is key you have to mm-hmm. over communicate right and um you know it's an interesting thing because a lot of people like to play this childhood trauma card right which is incorrect a lot right. of it is just adult uninformed thinking mm-hmm. i have found that the people who have anxiety and depression, and these are the things that they come at me with, the main thing that they lack is structure in their thinking. Mm-hmm. No right. one ever taught them that. Right. Any uh, any semblance of normalcy that they went into school with mm-hmm. is beaten out of them in those years of uh, public schooling. Right. And they cannot relate healthily to those around them. They don't learn communication skills. They don't learn listening skills.
0: Right. And it's like a, it's like a um, a chaotic mess because they don't have um, the organization or organizational ability to put things in context and to think critically about issues and outcomes and problems no, because can't. that's removed.
1: They can't. And it's coming from all directions.
0: Right. That's why I
1: talk about all of the. Things I talk about, like the, the caffeine and the TV, because those are two things that we've all been exposed to. And Maybe our parents didn't know any better. Right. But the more you expose yourself to those things, the more damage you do to the brain. Right. When you drink coffee. Now, I know, I know that some of us are, are really smart individuals and we can still think without right. it. But we have to understand that a lot of people cannot right. think when they, they have coffee because caffeine is designed to put you in a, a state of being where you can do mundane tasks mm-hmm. easily. And so you can be sli- a, a slave right. more effectively. That was the only purpose of it. And it actually, on a brain scan, you actually see the activity of the brain do this and come right into the center, and then there's no activity, just maybe mm-hmm. two, flip, two or three flickers right in the center of the brain. Right, And so people believe that they're thinking when they're not actually thinking at all, they're just playing programs.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you brought that up because medications that are used to treat those uh, particular labels do the exact same thing to your brain. Um, And that's why a lot of patients will describe like a very flat effect. Uh, They're very unemotional. Uh, you know, they can't feel anything. They can't they feel, tell the difference between happiness or, you know, sadness or anger or anything like that. All their emotions feel exactly the same.
1: Yep, they say things like, "I feel numb. Mm-hmm. I just want to feel happy again. I just want to feel normal again."
0: Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what. I had a
1: friend. He's uh, a guitar player, and he's he's really doing badly. His Wife broke up with him, left him a note that says, you broke me, left the ring on top of the note and left him mm-hmm. one day out of the clear blue. Didn't communicate nothing. Right. It broke his heart. And he started to develop symptoms of what he was then diagnosed with as bipolar. Right. And I, he I, he said he didn't feel like himself anymore. He was having trouble regulating his emotions. His thoughts were all over the place sometimes Mm -hmm. he just felt like crying and he didn't know what to do right and i I talked with him for about two hours after that he stopped taking the medication immediately got better right he's in a a rock band that's got a song on the billboard charts you know it's everything that's good in his life is as a result of dropping the label dropping the medication and just listening to the voice of reason and learning how to, to critically think
0: well and it's it's interesting that you said that because that is one of the scariest diagnoses that they can give a patient is bipolar but what you're experiencing is the roller coaster of emotions that you should be experiencing because you will go through you know I'm super happy, I'm joyful, things are great, things are wonderful, here we go on the decline, on the descent, right? Until we smash into all those negative emotions at the bottom. And when you find the balance in those and are able to control that that giant leap, you know, from the top to the bottom, there's no need for medication, Because those are all normal emotions that people feel.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, you change mental health to emotional health. It's a completely Mm -hmm. different game.
0: Right. And it exposes the light immediately. So let me ask you this. I know this this may sound um, like a strange question or whatnot. But how do people plan for... I'm gonna call it Eunice, okay? For for them to have a new outlook on things, and for them to just focus on being them and their true self.
1: So many people live their lives in expectations right. of a self that never arrives. Right. You have to pass through that barrier of taking responsibility for your problems and for your thinking in order to get there. But along with that, I think I made a post about this today. It's that there's a difference between self-image and self-esteem and self-concept. Right. Self-concept is who you actually want to be without all of the crap in your life. Right. Some future version of yourself, whether it be tomorrow, three weeks from now, Mm -hmm. or five years from now. Right. But it discourages people from going so far ahead as five years because that leads to just stupid expectations. That,
0: I was going to say, and two, that also gives you a crutch if you're like, oh, well, my goal is to be this person in five years. So I'll slow down on the working on me part because eh, five years is a long ways away.
1: Yeah. And if you've got a lot of programs in there that go against that, you're not doing shit and um that's why i try to get people grounded in their values right if you ask the average person it's it's scary janet you ask the average person what are your values
0: the deer in the headlights look
1: that's like they're stroking out what's a value Mm -hmm. it's they they cannot compute that it's like i'm supposed to have values i feel as a person But you can, uh, I'm just trying to be hilarious about it, and it's a serious thing, because that is why the world is in the state that it is in now, because people are spiritually and morally bankrupt.
0: Right, absolutely. And And they
1: cannot, you know, they cannot relate to other people because they cannot relate to themselves.
0: Right. And I think a, a lot of that, too, stems from a breakdown of family structure, right, because uh, like growing up in my generation, you know, my my grandparents, my parents, you know, taught me morals, taught me values, you know, uh, having manners and, and things like that. And there's so many generations coming up now that don't have that. They don't have like someone to lead them or to show them uh, because that was missing in their family structure and, and as messed up as as families are right now, uh, there's no one there to take that leader role.
1: Absolutely. And back in those days, I'm glad that I experienced a bit of that because you were taught how to be moral. You were taught Mm -hmm. what was immoral behavior and you were taught that there were consequences for those things and for any other action that you had that was negative. Right. You were taught that there were consequences for the things that you thought and said. Mm Mm-hmm. You were held to a high standard of
0: discipline. Right.
1: Even if Absolutely. It meant getting your ass
0: beat,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you were held accountable for the things. If you didn't listen, it's not, and people have this misconception, especially millennials and, and generations younger than that, that it's, uh, you know, that's a terrible thing to do. Right. But these are the people that are running around with these kids that they can't control whatsoever, that listen to nothing that they say. And right. it causes them more stress than anything else. And then they break down crying, I don't know what to do about my kid. He doesn't listen to me. Right. Well, before things got to that point, when we were growing up, it was a whip.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep. A whip, a belt, a switch, uh, and anything they could find. Yeah. And it's
1: not that your parents enjoyed doing it either. Right. They did not. A lot right. of the time it hurt them more than it hurt you. Right. Because they did not want to have to take it to that level. But they knew that that was the only thing left. Right. That would teach you discipline and get you to understand what they were saying. And guess what? You never did it again. The only people that came out of uh, society that it didn't work on, well, they went on to be the psychopaths.
0: Right. (laughs) You know? Well, (laughs) and the people that like that kind of thing, I don't like getting hit with a two by four on the butt. There well, that's are people, a different episode. Sure, yeah, I'm sure, there's people out there like <laughs> that, too. So do you think um, that with them removing, um, like, parents being able to punish their kids, uh, teachers being able to uh, take control of their own classroom and, you know, hand out punishment and stuff, do you think that that has caused a lot of uh Furthering of the codification and the emotional baggage that people have now.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Nothing more I need to say about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, with the whole aspect of people taking responsibility, I know that is a very foreign concept for a lot of people because that is not something that is really ever discussed, uh, in the healthcare field, in the mental health community, uh, but taking responsibility for your own actions and your own thoughts is so beginner level important, um, for people that are trying to, Uh, better themselves or heal from, you know, emotional traumas or, or things like that. Like how, how are you responsible for your emotions that you're holding inside and what is the purpose for you doing so?
1: Okay. So let me answer that by asking questions so that you can kind of go through this process with me. Okay. Maybe the listeners can go through this process too.
0: Okay.
1: Who experiences your emotions? Me. So. And
0: sometimes the people around me. (laughs) (laughs) If they're outward. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Right.
1: So where does the emotion come from? Does it come from somebody else? Does it come from what the person said or did to you? Or does it come from inside you?
0: That is a very difficult question for me to answer. Um, Being an empath. It's super hard for me to answer that because sometimes my emotions don't come from me. They come from other people.
1: Okay. So that's a trick question because regardless of whether you are highly empathetic or not, every experience you have of a, of an emotion is mm-hmm. generated inside of you right. for some purpose. Right. It's your body that's doing it. And so you, the, an individual can only move through something by taking responsibility for being the one who feels that emotion that's generated inside of their body. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility to learn how to question these emotions because they do have thoughts that come with them. They Mm -hmm. do have sensations that come with them. Right. So it makes you more empathetic. It makes you a stronger empath because you understand why you feel the way that you do and it puts you in a position of power and leadership for someone else that you need to hold a good energy for. To help Can- through something. You get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Can you see how red my eyeballs are? Yeah. Um Before we went on the show. I had one of those moments where I felt like. Somebody else's emotions. Actual multiple people's emotions at once. And I was like, okay. um I have to go outside. And I just sat down in the chair and just water worked, you know, like, like insanely crazy waterworks just to get rid of those emotions because they didn't belong to me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go out here. And so I don't look like a crazy person <laughs> sitting in the house with, you know, bowls under my eyeballs, balling. Like, yeah. So and I that a, let that go.
1: And that is such a healthy response. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's what taking responsibility looks like, yeah. because you can't take responsibility for somebody else's situation or circumstance. Yeah, no, but you take responsibility for how you feel about it by processing it and allowing the natural release right. of the energy to occur.
0: So let me let me ask you a question about crying, because there's so many people that reach out to me and they're like, they always think something's wrong with them because they cry. To me, crying is very healthy because it helps your body shed those emotions. Um, it helps your body to heal because you're getting rid of baggage or trauma or, you know, whatever emotion needs to come out. But there's there are members in the healthcare community that will immediately tell that person, that they have a mental health diagnosis because they cry.
1: That's because we have a sick care system, not a health care system. Right. And there are two main ways that the body releases energy, crying or
0: yawning. Mm-hmm. I yawn a lot too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not because I'm tired. It just happens. Um, so you're you're okay with people crying? I, Janet,
1: sometimes I'm balling there with them during my sessions because mm-hmm. I understand. You right. know, I, I try to take the position. Empathy is different from sympathy. As soon as you say, right. it, I'm so sorry that happened, you're mm-hmm. both screwed. Right. But when you can take the position of, gosh, I don't understand your unique situation because you're the only person walking in your shoes. Right. But I am willing to listen to everything you say and sit here and and feel with you through this and guide you,
0: mm-hmm. that's empathy. Well, and I was going to say, too, when you when you tell somebody you're sorry for something that didn't happen or that did happen, did you cause it? No. So you are falsely claiming responsibility for something that you did not do.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a great story I like to tell about that. This guy is walking home from the bar one evening, and he's looking down, and he's feeling sad, and he's got the whole body language of somebody that's depressed, and he isn't looking where he's going. He falls into a hole. He stays down there for a little while. The rain starts falling, starts thundering. He gets really scared. He starts yelling, help, I've fallen down this hole. I need some help. A person walks past. It's a doctor. He looks down in the hole. He says, Oh, seems you've fallen into this hole. And the guy says, Yeah, I fell into this hole. I wasn't looking where I was going. And the doctor says, Hold on, hold on. I got something for you. And he writes him a prescription. He balls it up, throws it down in the hole. And he says, If that doesn't work, give me a call in the morning. And then he moves on. And the guy's sitting there holding his balled up (laughs) prescription. (laughs) He's like, what am I supposed to do with this? He starts to get pissed off and he starts yelling, help, help. I've fallen down this hole. I can't get out. Another person walks by. It's a psychiatrist. And he says, oh, seems you've fallen into a hole. How does that make you feel? And the guy says, I'm pissed off because I've fallen in a hole. The rain's falling. I'm soaking wet. I can't get out. Can you please just help me get out? And the psychiatrist says, oh, you sound a little bit anxious. Maybe you should come see me. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that. And he moves on. The guy says, I can't believe that just happened. I just need somebody to help me get out of this hole. And so a couple more people pass by. Same thing. No help whatsoever. And finally, a guy that he knows walks by. He says, hey, man, I haven't seen you in a long time. What are you doing down there in that hole? And the guy says, Oh, thank God. I fell in the hole. I wasn't looking where I was going. The rain fell. I'm wet. A bunch of crazy people came by and gave me prescriptions for things. And he points at the balled up prescriptions on the ground next to him. And he says, I just want to get out. And the guy jumps in the hole and he starts screaming, No, don't get in the hole. We'll never be able to get out now. And the guy says to him, Buddy, he puts his hand on his shoulder. I've been down this hole many times before, and I can show you how to get out.
0: Exactly. And that was a beautiful analogy of what our uh, mental health system is like, um, and our medical system is like, where they're not there to help you. They're Mm -hmm. not there to make you better, or to heal you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, they don't care
1: about the root cause.
0: So that, that was a, that was a beautiful, beautiful analogy. And I appreciate that. So how do you, do you think it's important for people to figure out what their purpose is?
1: Not necessarily. Some people are already living their purpose when they come with problems. Mm -hmm. Some people it's their purpose to have beautiful children have a fulfilling relationship, and be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Some people are meant to be street sweepers. We need right. it, not to sound like Robert Palmer or anything like that, but it takes all kinds of people,
0: every kind of people.
1: Right. And, and that's what life's about. Right. So not everyone has this magnificent purpose in life that's all glitzy and glamoury. Mm-hmm. Some people are perfectly fine right where they are. Right. And they need to embrace the gift of life's imperfection, being an Mm -hmm. imperfect human being and learning how to structure their thinking.
0: Right. Perhaps
1: there's other things that you love doing. Maybe you like knitting. Maybe you like sewing. Maybe you like playing tennis. But you can go and do all those things. You can learn to play an instrument. You can learn a skill Mm -hmm. at any age Right. and find a deep sense of inner peace and passion and purpose doing those things that make you feel joy. It doesn't have to be Like in the new agey psyop type thing, you know, the success and motivation thing where it's like you're inadequate if you're not a millionaire, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because there are so many people um, that like don't see what their purpose or, you know, what the meaning of, of life is for them you know and sometimes it's very simple and sometimes it's it's very very complex stuff you know and everybody has different gifts and, and different knowledge bases different you know ability levels like me I could, I could try to play an instrument but I just suck um, I've tried to do that before because my husband plays bass and I can't Uh, that's just not for me, but he can't do this, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So it's good that we're different and it's good that everybody is not on the same level and, and has the same purpose in life because life would be very complicated and, and very boring if everybody was the same.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, We get programmed out of our natural abilities when we go to school. Right. Kids or some some parents see us doing something and maybe they don't even mean anything by it. But they say, Stop doing that. Right. And little kids, because little kids have the the main cognitive distortions operating at a very high level because they're trying to relate to the world and everything around them so quickly. Right. That it blocks them. And so they go straight to all or nothing, black and white thinking. They said stop doing that therefore I'm bad and I'm a bad person when I do this thing that I like and so they you know make themselves small mm-hmm. and they forget all about that thing that they love doing
0: well right and it's a form of rejection because you know like I remember growing up like I wanted to be a fashion designer and I loved art and I was like this is what I'm going to do and and my parents were like no, you're not. Like, right. that's just dumb. You're not going to go to school in New York, and you're not going to make it as fashion designer. Only, you know, rich people can do that sort of thing. You're going to have to figure out something else.
1: Well, that makes sense, Janet, because all your outfits are fire every single time. <laughs> like, how the hell do you...
0: <laughs> but that's, you know what I'm saying, though? That's what kids go through a lot of that, or even people as adults go through that, Right. Where their spouse is telling them, it's like you're going to be a blogger. That's that's stupid. What are you going to be a blogger for? Projection. What, what are you going to do with that? You know. Yeah, like I can't
1: see myself, so you shouldn't be able to do it.
0: Right, right. And I think um, in our society, a lot of that uh, positive affirmation. From your friends, your family, your your spouse or partner or whatever. I think a lot of that is, is lacking, you know, because instead of learning to um, stand by each other, we stand apart from each other in those kind of, and again, that's values, you know, that you should learn to to stand behind and support people that you care about.
1: Yeah. Even if
0: it's not for you, you should still stand behind them and support them.
1: Yeah. And another thing about that that people don't look at is that anybody that's disempowered in any kind of way, Mm as soon as you go to a nine to five, you're disempowered. Right. Because you are living somebody else's life. Right. And so anybody that's disempowered in any kind of way, it's like pulling the cornerstone out of a building. The Mm -hmm. entire thing will fall. Because right. they're crumbling on the inside. They can't hold any space for you to be right. who you are. Right. Either
0: and you have to learn how to hold space for yourself. Yep. That's so important. Mm-hmm. And and I like to say, um, be your own best cheerleader. Yeah. You know, because there's so many people that have that like deflated sense of self-worth and you know all these other people said i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough i'm not pretty enough i'm not this 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 and you know whatever everybody else's expectations for you Mm -hmm. tears people down so badly that they begin to believe that about Mm -hmm. themselves instead of being like you know what i'm fabulous the way i was born I am freaking amazing, and I love, I don't know, making ornaments out of pipe cleaners. That's what I want to do for a living. Mm -hmm. Do it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, people are walking around trying to overcompensate for this shit, too, because of, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the whole new-agey personal development thing.
0: Right. And all of that stuff. don't so glitch oh there you go okay now i hear you
1: yeah I, th- I think i said this again today that you know when somebody is focused radically on self-love
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's still the same thing as saying i don't love myself right when you can find places to put your creativity and your love into mm-hmm. like another person giving love to exactly another, someone else mm-hmm. cultivating compassion and empathy for other people Practicing radical compassion and empathy on ourselves. Right. Then we can step into a position of self-respect.
0: Right. And I'm 100% on board with that because our purpose is to be here to love and serve other people. Mm -hmm. You know, but there's so many people that have to do that kind of... You know, uh, letting go of emotional baggage and letting go of the labels and stuff before they can get to the point where they can share that part of themselves with other people.
1: Well, you remember a bunch of people said this. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Right. And if I'm not enough, everything I see is going to be not enough. Right. But when we can become grounded in the fact that human beings by nature are imperfect. Right. And we can take the attitude that we, every single day, are going to be learning and growing if we mm-hmm. allow ourselves to challenge negative thoughts and emotions percent. Right. and give people the same compassion that we want, mm-hmm. or in instances where we're getting taken advantage if we can assert ourselves, Right. then we will learn and we will grow and we will process our experiences in a more healthy way. We'll live life mm-hmm. in a more grounded way. We'll right. do more of the things that bring us passion and give us a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And in any case, it's so difficult when you're doing something for somebody else that you really want to do, mm-hmm. it's difficult to feel like you don't have a purpose.
0: Right. That's very true. Absolutely true. One of the things that I think about um a lot of times, because this this comes up with people that call like to get help with issues or whatever. And one of the things I hear all the time is, uh, I don't want to share those parts of me with anyone else. I don't want to tell anyone else that I did, you know, whatever the case may be in their past. And for me, like, you can't be your true self and who you truly are. Unless you're able to confront those. And why don't you want people to know? You
1: have to own that.
0: hmm yep.
1: yep. I'm, you
0: I'm glad. It. I'm glad to hear you say that. Because uh, there's a lot of people that are like, huh? What? Like, people questioned me before. Like, why would you tell, you know, certain details about your past? And I'm like, why not?
1: That's it another was... incorrect belief that's coming down the pipeline from everybody mm-hmm. that, you know, they learn this stuff about, and my, my mother used to say that shit too when I would tell people that certain things happened and I got her, like, why are you telling them that? Don't, that's, you know, that's shameful. It's going to
0: make them have a negative opinion of you.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the whole point is this thing happened in my life. Right. I eventually learned to see it as an experience.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: moved past it. I learned something from it. Exactly. And it made the person I am now.
0: 100%.
1: And that's just the cycle. Over
0: and over. A hundred percent. And you know, one of the things I think about when when people talk about that and how, you know, they're afraid to admit that they did, you know, drugs or whatever the case may be in their past because they don't want that negative perception from other people. So they hide themselves and they hide that fact. But God knows everything you've ever done. And everything you ever will do. And you can hide things from other people. But you're you're hiding things because you're scared of judgment. If you're scared of other people judging you. There is definitely some other kind of emotion that's deep down inside of you. That needs to be let go.
1: Mm-hmm. Self-judgment is normally some kind of manifestation of deep guilt.
0: And shame. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So um, what do you think about uh, all of the um, teachers and parents and everybody in society that uh, feels the need to tell everyone um that you're good enough and you all get a participation trophy and your feelings matter and everyone else should care about your feelings too. And we should have safe spaces and, um, you know, cozy rooms and, you know, snuggle bears and crayons and letter boxes, yeah. and, letter boxes and crayons and whatever. How do you feel about that?
1: it is the destruction of our children's psyche yes. mm-hmm. and it's purpose work right it's not about acceptance and it's not about unconditional love mm-hmm. it is anti-love anti-life
0: right and 100 percent. i'm so glad you said that because another uh biblical reference there you know where you have to be strong enough To love other people enough to tell them something is wrong. And not sugar, like me, I call it sugarcoating. I don't sugarcoat. I don't pussyfoot. I don't like what you hear coming out of my mouth is what you need to hear, not what you want to hear.
1: People can call it whatever they want it is incredibly disempowering and it Mm -hmm. is incredibly dishonest.
0: Right. It Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And I think when you, when uh, people decide that, you know, to tell, you know, little kids or teenagers or whatever that uh, like, for instance, you are so good at playing the flute or the banjo or the guitar or whatever it is. And it literally sounds like screeching, screaming cats on a roof. Uh, That is very dishonest of parents to do that. But they do that again, being dishonest and being false because they want to save somebody's feelings.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's so wrong. So, so wrong. Shouldn't be doing it. So, my dear... um, it's such a pleasure like speaking to you and you know getting the word out for people that I think a lot of times really need to hear this kind of stuff what can they do where can they find you at to reach you if if somebody's interested in getting services getting help whatever where can they get you at
1: well, you know, Janet, they don't like me saying the things that I say, so they've tried to shut down my website three times <laughs> in the past uh, month or so. Shocker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, GoDaddy's owned by Unilever. No shocker there. Um, so I normally I would say go to my website, JahanSator.com. It's J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-T-A-U-R, and it's actually on the screen. Uh, you can also just send me an email at jahantwsator at gmail.com or contact me on Instagram at jahantwsator.
0: That's fantastic. Um, thank you again for spending time with me today, for you know, coming back for a second time on the show, and thank you for allowing me to come on your show multiple times. Um, we always have really good conversations, and I hope, hope, that this reached you know even at least one person and i hope it was helpful for somebody so make sure you follow him like subscribe share and download uh listen to his podcast as well which you can be found where
1: you can find that at anchor.fm slash boundless authenticity And you can join me on Telegram at t.me slash The Boundless Authenticity
0: Podcast. Fantastic. So for me and for my lovely, beautiful guest here, my lovely friend, thanks for joining us for another episode, you guys. Have a great, wonderful day. And we appreciate you so much. Till next time. Bye-bye, guys.